brand new release from Winnipeg's The Gumshoe Strut is available now. The Heartbeat EP is the local MC slash producer's first solo release in 10 years, and he returns with a fiery display of raw emotion set to a wavy, hot-blooded soundscape. You can get the Heartbeat EP now on digital, cassette, or CD at thegumshoestrut.bandcamp.com. Hey folks, this is Monty from the band Loiter here. Just wanted to personally invite you down to the Beer Boutique at 910 Region Avenue in front of the new Best Western Premier Hotel. At Beer Boutique, we specialize in local craft beer and carry a large selection of coolers and ciders. We've also recently expanded our gluten-free options. Next time you're in the area, be sure to stop by and say hi. We love talking local brews and local tunes. Winnipeg's own Sean Burns and Lost Country have just released We Got A Lot Of Trucking To Do, a brand new album feature some of the finest trucking songs in country music history. All proceeds from the record, which is at seanburns.bandcamp.com, are going towards Winnipeg's favorite little honky-tonk, the Times Change High and Lonesome Club. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass! Hey, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, you know, once again, I'm I'm on the line, on the phone, on the internet, whatever you want to call it, uh, doing a call with someone who's been on the show before. But last time it was a much nicer kind of situation because we were in your studio, and uh, I think that was when you were about to release your poetry book, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's been that, a while. It has been a while, yeah. And that was that was a really good conversation. It kind of went in a lot of directions I, I wasn't expecting, but uh, I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad to have you back on. Um, so I think maybe just the best way to start this off is if you want to just introduce yourself and just give a bit of background about your music. I know there's a lot you've done over you know a significant amount of time, but what's the short form way I guess you you describe yourself uh, musically sure. to like a newcomer, you know, someone who maybe hasn't heard you before? Sure. Yeah. Well, my name is Scott Nolan, and uh, and uh, I'm a songwriter. I think primarily, and uh, I, I suppose I've been categorized as a kind of a roots artist. I've even been categorized as a country kind of artist. I don't, you know, it's funny, those things. Uh, I'm okay with any of them, really. Uh, I like all music, and um, I I like to think what I do is kind of growing and evolving and changing a little bit all the time. But uh, at the end of the day, I think songwriter uh, is probably the most uh, uh, accurate. And, uh, yeah, um, Winnipeg-based, and I put out... uh, nine or ten records and a book of poetry and um yeah okay. i've been collaborating with a uh, um uh, a composer named glenn beer of late and we've been uh, recording with chamber orchestras and string quartets and yeah that's, I, I, I definitely want to ask you about that that side of things because i feel like that's that's probably pretty different than most of what you've done throughout your career um but you know, one of the things that kind of comes up all the time now that I'm doing these remotely and everyone's embroiled in this pandemic is sort of how people are dealing with it, especially creative people, because, you know, venues... I, I saw your show at the Park Theatre that when it first reopened, that uh, kind of intimate show you did, and it was great, but it was weird, <laughs> you know, being at a venue yeah. that was so empty and everything, and it does feel like you have been doing, just from what I've seen on, on social media and things like that, a lot of shows uh, compared to some other artists, whether it's house shows or... Uh, you know things like that at the park, and now you have you know more stuff coming up. H- how has it been for you dealing with this this pandemic? Uh, well, um, the shows I have done have been small. I did a couple backyard um, shows for Ian and Trudy Maddie, who I've got to know over the years, and 
and uh, big supporters of the Park Theater, and they were very, you know, they're very uh, genuine, authentic people, and yeah. so I I knew they would um, they would run something that was safe and comfortable, and and they did. It was incredible, really, and uh, so we did those two shows, and then of course the show at the park, and I mean Eric, um, uh, I understood after the show he could have had two or three times uh, the audience there. And in fact, the day of the show, he was given room by the province. And uh, rather than uh, scare anybody, he chose to leave it alone. And so, I, I, you know, my heart goes out to guys like Eric, uh, the club owners, the venues, yeah. because, I, I mean, for me, I'm sure I've been affected as uh, as much as, as anybody in a sense, but... Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, the, the the creative part of it for me um, is growing and changing all the time. Uh, throughout the pandemic, I've been, of all things, working on collage art. Like I, yeah. I got up one day and, and started doing it. It it, um, it it was completely foreign to me. I had no, I'd never, I'd never made any collages and done anything like that. Um, Paul Butler, um, the Canadian artist, he he did my old band Leader House's album cover. Uh, He's kind of turned a lot of people onto the medium, and Guy Madden did my book cover. It was a beautiful collage piece of guys, and uh, yeah, I got up one day and uh, very much like the poetry, I just uh, I felt drawn to it, and uh, and it's been uh, I'd say about a month I've been working daily. Cool, and uh, it's it's interesting. So uh, I mean, yeah, I had stopped kind of doing the lounges and the pubs and all that kind of stuff. So uh, in that respect. I might be faring better than some of my peer group, you know. It, it, it's tough out there. Um, to be perfectly honest, gigs had been getting tough before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe we have too much of a good thing in a way. And uh, uh, I, you know, I've always had kind of mixed feelings about the the business part of it, anyway. So, a, a pandemic for me, uh, well, it's um, not something I would wish ever. Um, it's going to shake stuff up. Definitely, and, yeah. and kind of, it's going to set a reset. And uh, I've I've seen a number of peers uh, talk about you know retiring from it and finding new ways to make money. It's never been a, it's been how I've made my living, but it's it, I certainly didn't choose it for that purpose. Sure. So, well, and it's interesting too yeah. because you described yourself right at the beginning as a songwriter first and foremost, right? And I mean that's obviously you're performing and paying the bills that way and recording and things like that but the songwriting aspect of it you can do that during a pandemic or no matter what's happening absolutely but i mean the fact is is it's it's been degraded down to almost nothing in our culture right sure. now uh, i mean uh, you look at uh, models like spotify uh, i'm not against streaming i've got a uh, i got an apple music subscription myself and and i enjoy it in a very specific kind of way very different than going to my turntable and sure. uh, or my record collection, uh, but I do enjoy it. So I don't have an issue with any of the models. But uh, um, the people that run them don't don't care, and they don't hide the fact that they don't care. So no, it seems very blatant that they don't care. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's devalued uh, things, and it's um, uh, it's it's affected the way people think and 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 work. And uh, um, on the one hand, as an artist. I don't care. You can do whatever you want to to my world, and I'll never stop creating in some form or another because it's um, it's a necessary thing for me. Sure. Uh, whether there was money or not, 
I don't think it would have a, a bearing on it for me. And and there really isn't a, a lot of money. So when <laughs> yeah. I started, yeah. when I started kind of uh, getting somewhere a little bit, um, uh, when, back when I was touring a lot, you know, all my peers would say, "Oh, Nolan, you're late for the party. There's no money left." And I used to joke back then. You know, there was too much money at first. I'd never heard a million dollar song. Sure, I can't think of one. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's funny the psychology of it because um, I, I think about songwriters like Doc Palmas is somebody I love from the from the fifties who wrote "Save the Last Dance" okay. in Viva Las Vegas. This was a man who had polio and 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 uh, uh, much of his life uh, lived as a handicapped man. He made a, a, a fortune with these early songs, and then Bob Dylan came around. Boom. Yeah. That world was gone overnight. Literally, it was like Dylan was like Spotify to them in a right, way. Right, it, yeah. it, it put them all out of work. And uh, Doc Thomas started running card games out of his apartment, like wow. with gangsters and shit. And yeah, yeah. these these guys weren't precious. Um, Doc Thomas wrote "Save the Last Dance" on the back of a a, a a wedding invitation, watching his new bride dance with his father and his family and his friends and. Wow. And he'd remark to her, hey, you know, don't forget who's taking you home. Uh, save the last dance for me. And, like, yeah, yeah. I I love the lack of hopeless pocus about it, right? So when when the money ran out for Doc, he started having card games. I mean, he, he didn't – whatever. He just did something different. And um, he helped kind of resurrect Dr. John's career. Um, the Dr. John we know and love. Yeah. The last big push came from Doc Thomas, and he was one of Doc's last kind of uh, writing partners, and he helped Doc Doctor John get off heroin. Oh, really? Huh. And here's here's a guy that like uh, he had a driver. He used to go to the clubs around New York every night. Yeah, and he'd have to be wheeled out. Like this is before wheelchair ramps and accessibility. This guy, you know, uh, I read his his uh, memoir, and he talked about being a young man, and he'd go to black clubs. And he'd just hang out in the back, and someone would say to him, what the, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. And he'd say, I'd like to get up and sing. And they'd say, you want to sing? And he said, as a young guy, I felt I felt as though I could go anywhere. I was a young, handicapped Jewish man. Yeah. I had as much oppression as anybody, and, and that was his fire. And, uh, yeah, he was a great singer, a great blues singer, uh, one of the best songwriters of all time. And uh, But it was all just stuff you know he wasn't like picasso about it you sure know? sure and uh, I, I love that so um yeah there's no retiring i don't think <laughs> no, you know no. there's no retiring you're in, the, you're in this for life yeah no i i i believe it for sure
got me parking cars at the church on Easter Sunday. Pastor John said this: It's either everything or nothing. That night I got a chill when I heard the choir sing Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Storm before the calm. Patron saint to broken hearts had me searching for salvation before I completely fall apart. First Sunday after the first full moon of spring, even nothing feels like something when you've lost everything. We sing for mercy. We sing for joy. Hurt so bad, it makes a beautiful noise. I hear your footsteps. I can hear you calling my name. Rejoice, start over again. Empty rooms, family pictures on the wall. How something that made me feel so good could make me feel so small. And if true love never dies, well, let's just let it be. And until then, I'll have no choice but to set you free. We sing for mercy. We sing for joy. Hurts so bad, it makes a beautiful noise. I hear your footsteps. I can hear you calling my name. Rejoice. Start over again. I hear your footsteps. I can hear you calling my name. Rejoice. Start over again. Rejoice. Start over again.
you know, I'm coming from a very different place, but you know, I my background is in journalism. That's what I do for a day job. And even when I was out of that field for about a decade, I was doing this, and this kind of kept me in it because you can't. It's a similar kind of thing, I think, where you are compelled to do something. I'm compelled to interview people, whether I'm doing it professionally or not. It's kind of for some reason that's the way the brain, <laughs> the brain chemistry works. Yeah, enjoying good conversation. You kind of have to keep that part of your mind sharp yeah. And, yeah. and exercise it like a language. And yeah, and, and, and really, that's another point about the pandemic. It's, uh, in a weird way, it hasn't changed my day-to-day life that much at all. I, I self-isolate already. Just anyway, you know? yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Well, and, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's um, I, uh, I think a lot more about my friend's who are uh, parents, especially young parents. And uh, I, I think about one of my best friends is a teacher. Yeah. Uh, another, a nurse. Um, I think about them. Uh, I, I uh, They're being more courageous than I am. And um, the shows I'm doing are very small and socially distanced, and um, they're money losers for everybody. The whole <laughs> idea is to bring a little calm and comfort. And, and uh, if that can be done... Um, uh, for a dozen people, that's fine by me. Yeah. It, the, the numbers aren't critical in that respect. And so, yeah, well, it does seem like I'm playing a lot. It's not really. Uh, not, not, yeah. Well, I, I do want to ask you about the shows that you're going to be playing uh, in the very near future, but just uh, thinking about what you've been saying uh, just to this point and mentioning that, that collage aspect of things, I mean, your previous endeavors you know as a songwriter and then releasing a book of poetry that's all very heavily word-based i mean you're definitely conjuring up images in the way you're writing writing a song or writing a poem but this collage thing is very much image only right so how, how does how do you approach that is it a different kind of use of your brain uh for coming up with the what you're developing there somehow it's all connected to anxiety uh i've been uh, uh my my uh, long-time relationship ended quite suddenly before the pandemic. Okay. And then once uh, once we kind of were physically parted in terms of the stuff moved out, I uh, began a major renovation the next day. Like I took down a wall between two rooms and then uh, I've opened the attic to a second floor. I mean, really three months of um, kind of being shipwrecked. and. Okay. Uh, Somewhere in there, uh, and I have a handyman that primarily does this work. I, I help and do some uh, grunt work, but I'm not a very skilled uh, person that way. So uh, a lot of the time, I'm just sitting here at a desk working. And so, yeah, one day, it, it's very much connected to anxiety. Okay. And uh, and as I get older and uh, kind of go deeper inward, I realize kind of breathing. Uh, when I get up and, and, and anxieties got me right away it's, it's connected to breathing and i've discovered it's almost like a current inside of you that's going the wrong way okay and you you have to kind of still it long enough that you can make it turn back the other direction back back to clockwise i think and um uh, so one day I, I got up and like uh i just started i had these magazines in fact uh, there was a stack of magazines in my bathroom and i remember thinking whose idea was this <laughs> I don't want I don't want people in my home so long yeah, yeah. that they're in the bathroom reading. Yeah. You know, if you're in the bathroom and need reading material, you've been visiting too long. You should go back <laughs> to your house now. So I thought this is the first. I'm getting rid of this. Yeah. And I was going through the magazines to see if there's anything I might want to keep. And uh, 
outside of a few music things, there was a bunch of National Geographic that I thought might have been of my grandparents. So I kept them, and, and that's where it started. And I just got up one day, and there was something about the sorting, the page turning, and finding something. And then the older ones, you have to crack the spine and, and, and pull staples. The newer ones are just glue. And so yeah. there's that. And, um, and then the cutting, ultimately, was another thing very common. It's funny. I had a... Um, I had a, a, a fallout with my handyman at one point, and we had a, a real a real blow-up of an argument. And it was one of those things where buttons were pushed and shit that was right in there was coming out no matter what. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so he kind of got mad at me. He was like, oh, you know, heaven forbid I disturb. Because I was put out by by something I had been asked to do, an, an errand or something. and. Again, I'm anxious and impatient in the moment. And so he kind of, uh, if he hears this, he'll laugh. But he kind of went, oh, geez, heaven forbid anybody kind of disrupt the fucking genius here, and, or the, <laughs> the artist, you know? Yeah. And in that moment, in that moment, and it was quite a heated argument, in that moment, I kind of saw the picture of it. I saw this guy dragging lumber across my home with like a tool belt on and you know, all kinds of equipment. And I'm sitting at this table, cutting up pictures, and yeah. and like people had begun uh, buying prints, so I had to I had to mail out prints. And he said, "Oh, are people are buying these things?" I said, "Well, not these, but like photos I take." And then yeah, and, and he's like, "Wow, that's you know," and like, but anyway, in the heat of it all, I kind of realized the hilarity of it, you know, and and not only that, but the privilege of it, and and again, coming right back to. I got up and was doing it because I was anxious and trying to, trying to breathe. Sure. And if I wasn't needed in the work part, that's what I was doing. I was sitting trying to stay calm in the middle of the fact that my whole life was kind of upside down. And uh, and in that moment, I, I I laughed, you know, and very quickly um, made made amends and 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 kind of came back to reality, like you know. <clears throat> whether I feel that I'm right or wrong and I, I didn't even necessarily feel that wrong yeah but uh, it occurred to me this is his feelings and he shouldn't have to defend them he, I, I should accept them as they are and so I, I anyway we laughed and laughed and he went back to work and I went back to <laughs> cutting up fucking magazines and uh, but yeah it's um, it uh, yeah it's um, it's just an outlet for something yeah yeah that's cool. I mean, it's definitely different. Um, I don't know if people necessarily expect that from you. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I mean, I've seen your social media kind of explode with all these images. Uh, and, and obviously, like you said, you, people are buying them and stuff. It's very cool. It's a, a different, I guess, um, form of expression for you. Yeah, I started, um, I had text that I played around with a little bit, and I wound up taking it back out. Um, I asked Guy Madden if there were any rules I should be aware of, uh, like uh, copyright, any kind of sure, stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, or any feedback he'd give me. And he said to me uh, um, something to the effect of, I try to make mine as dumb as possible. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I got a piece of his framed on my wall, the one from my book, and it's certainly not dumb. But what I took that to mean was, um, like, simple. Sure. Uh, and, and when I look at Paul Butler's stuff, too, um, I see easy stuff like, two moves yeah he had a piece up, he had a piece up today that was like it was like a patch of wildflowers and in the center was like a, a, a slice of orange okay and, that's and it? as far as i could tell that yeah and, 
And another time, it just it was like, yeah, uh, a goalie, goalie equipment. Uh, and then the goalie was removed, and it was like uh, these autumn leaves off of a tree. Uh, I know it sounds kind of funny when I describe it, but when you look at the image, it's 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 startling. And, yeah. and um, what I liked about it um, was there was a real poetry to it without 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 words. Where I thought, okay, you can play with context a bit and. I would come across images of, of people that struck me and I would immediately go to the task of uh, trying to calmly and carefully, how can I trace them and take them out of this frame? And as I did that, I realized more than what I was taking out, um, the the image, my draw at first was to take that image and put it somewhere else. But what I realized was it was the negative space okay. that I craved and enjoyed. And so then I would begin trying to pair um so uh yeah i had a, a, a an older woman and her husband with like this framed photo of their family and i removed the husband and the and the center of the frame and replaced it with mountain range okay. and uh I, I had this phrase in my head of um I, I don't remember if it was from something but like my my love the mountain or my my husband the mountain there was some thing i remember hearing some metaphor to do with uh with um, longevity and, and, and love and, okay. and the concept of a mountain. Anyway, so I thought that was a interesting and in fitting kind of a thing and poetic without, again, without kind of, it's suggestive and um, yeah, it, it's an interesting kind of uh, form to play with. It's uh, I've seen very complex ones that blow me away and I don't think I'll ever be able to do that. Yeah. But, but I like the, um, I like the simple ones, kind of. It's uh... yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a neat. It's definitely a neat medium. I don't. I don't think you see it uh, all that much. Well, I'm, I may be looking the wrong places, but I, I certainly haven't seen a lot of it lately, right? So it's a. Uh, uh, it's cool. Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, I, I felt similarly about poetry. Uh, honestly, before I was writing, yeah, the, I knew like the the majority of poets I knew were prison poets through my cousin and 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 programs I'd participated right. in and. and some astounding writers, but like it was uh, almost a, a genre unto itself, and that it was much of it was, you know, the imagery was from the, these these prisons. So sure. you know, it was kind of yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, just to, to jump back to music for a second, um, like I was saying at the beginning, you know, I, I saw your show at the park, and uh, it was socially isolated, obviously, which was unusual, but. Um, I think the park it worked great for that kind of show. Even with a small crowd, somehow that that stage is just really fitting for uh, an intimate show. Which I wasn't sure what to expect because the size of the venue, you know, can hold a lot of people. But uh, yeah. it worked for something that maybe almost seems more fitting for like a house show or something in terms of its intimacy. And so now you have a bunch of shows coming up at the park that are, uh, by the sounds of things, radically different than the show that I saw. Uh, a few months back. So, what can you tell me about that that uh, series? Of shows yeah, there. Well, Eric had approached me about a residency uh, um, around the time of that show, okay. and what's what struck me is I've done a number of them. And, I mean, really, it's all my formative years. Are I mean, I did them at the Blue Note in my twenties. Yeah, Bella Vista in my thirties. Um, uh, I mean, my all my entire thirties, I played Wednesday nights at the Bella Vista a decade. And anyway. Um, I immediately went to Glenn Buer, uh, the uh, the composer, uh, 
we've been collaborating and Glenn doesn't really, um, he doesn't earn in my world per se. He's a, a, a recently retired professor of music and okay. uh, he's a celebrated composer. So he's kind of, he earns in a different area, whereas a lot of my peer group, you know, we do, we do gigs, sure, frankly, sure. and and, and uh, so when I would do stuff with Glenn, he would invest more than I often would expect to make, and I, I was, uh, it was impressive to me, and and not just that, not just the uh, financial investment, the investment of himself, like okay. he would, uh, the the live performances we'd done together were uh, really elaborate and, and impressive, and things I was not able to do on my own. I needed a partner to to go this uh, route and um, so I approached him to see if he was interested everything's broken everything's free now everything's broken Everything is free now Sitting, waiting, wishing on a Manitoba skyline Watching the trains roll by Don't sleep too late this time of year It's almost always dark outside Ghost cars circling the old switchyards. Everything is broken. Six more weeks without the sun. Everything is free. Everything is broken. Everything is free now. Everything's broken Everything's free now I take a long walk I watch some planes land City cut a nice trail Through industrial wasteland Between the golf course And the war museum I love my old man still, I never see him Knock, knock, ginger, riding bumpers down the lane Everything is broken Until everything old is new again Everything is free, everything is broken Everything's free now Everything's broken Everything's free now I drove past the old neighborhood It's front drives and satellite TVs here the trees grow tall and much of life is still wild At least it used to be mm -hmm. 
nothing but the moon and me. Everything is free. Everything is broken. Everything is free now. Everything is broken. Everything is free now. One of the things we did, um, one of my favorite collaborations we did so far was uh, based on a song of mine called Arlington Street. And his arrangement of it's just it's spectacular. We recorded it with members of the Manitoba Chamber Orchestra. Oh, cool. And it's, uh, of all the pieces, I just think it, it, it's astounding, really. Um, he didn't just arrange my song. He expanded it into a, a, a broader stroke. And, and the two of us did something that I'm not sure either one of us could have done without the other, okay. which I think is, is a very particular magic. And uh, anyway, I was visiting with him one day, and I said to him, could you reduce that back down to just piano and voice? And he said, well, yeah, theoretically I could. And I saw the little thing go off in his head, <laughs> like, like, you know, like I challenged him or something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so he did. And... Um, we did a show recently for the West End uh, series called Bring Your Own Mic, which is a live stream. And we used a five-piece, and it, it was kind of um, a lot of core musicians I work with. Um, but there's a little overlap, like um, Glenn and I both have a long history with Gilles Fournier, okay. uh, the bass player. Uh, and um, uh, Paul Balkane and Joanna Miller, who go back to the beginning of my career with me, um, the Blue Note, Um they're a part of the group and it's Glenn and I. And so it's, it's really interesting. Um, the people and he's, he's reimagined these arrangements for the five piece. So we have Joanna playing concert, bass, drum, triangle, vibraphone, oh, wow. in addition to drum kit, uh, Jill, um, um, playing string and bowed bass, Paul playing a variety of horns. Um, Glenn and I alternating a piano and, and it's, um, it's interesting going back to these songs now without the orchestra, and seeing how we can do it with our own crew, and um, so that's the 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 core group. Um, beyond that, uh, I what was appealing about the players and the configuration. As soon as we did the gig at the West End, I was like, "This is this has got a little bit of my whole kind of life and music in this city." As a fourteen-year-old taking a bus to Main Street, sure to to, to go to the Blue Note, like saxophone for instance was something like i heard coming from like old hotel windows as i as i stumbled home drunk from these places and like there was a, a certain romance of um uh, periods of my life that could be conveyed through paul's horns okay and same thing with jill and joanna like there was a there was a, a vibe and a sophistication and elements that were I don't want to call them jazz, but these are jazz musicians for the most part. Right. And um, I was a rock kid. I was a heavy metal kid. And really, at this stage, I realized it's the it's the jazz players that I think kind of uh, I can 
I can communicate most effectively with and and, and ultimately bring these things, you know, like uh, I went through all kinds of configurations. But anyway, so we got this great group. My idea is, I'm not talking like musical dinner theater or anything, yeah, but yeah. my my hope and goal musically is to give people a feeling and a sense of what it felt like for me to grow up in this musical city. And uh, so I wanted to evoke um, the old days of the Blue Note or the Times Change or the Bella Vista, these little rooms that would jump. Sure. It's not like going to the big venues to see these big productions. You're going to sweaty places that sh- that, that make you shake. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's my hope. And so we're not using the stage. The the group will be set up in the center uh, of the floor. Oh wow, that's, um, that's really cool. They'll, it'll be cabaret style. Uh, there'll be there'll be tables socially distanced all around us, as well as on the stage. The stage will be another kind of tier okay. where you can sit up on high tables, and I believe there'll be table service for drinks. Um, and uh, so yeah, I mean Eric, like like Glenn and I both, uh, to his credit, is. He's an interesting uh, character and eccentric totally. and like and not everything is about money to him. And given the pandemic, rather than cry the blues, he would rather let's just like the artist. Right. Let's let's do things that we weren't doing before. And yeah. So I, I got a great team between him and Glenn and they're imaginative and and uh, and they get lit up and excited. And so I really hope to kind of I don't want to suggest uh, um, um, this stuff isn't going on all the time, but my hope is that I can kind of like for 10 years of Bella Wednesdays, much of it, if not virtually all of it was, was pure magic. You know, right. there was never, never two shows that were the same. And, uh, and because it happened every week, um, at first Glenn had suggested once a month, I said, it won't work. We, we have to, we have to be willing to have a, 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 even if it's a soft turnout, like we have to be willing to, to whatever happens here happens, okay. but we have to do it every week. And we've agreed on Wednesdays, just thinking of the bell and we thought, why not <laughs> stick with what worked, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But like that idea that people will go, Oh, it's Wednesday. We should go see Nolan. And, you know what you're going to do on Wednesday. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so, and beyond those things, um, Glenn is a wonderful songwriter, so he'll have songs to contribute. Um, uh, Joanna's a really incredible. Like, I, 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 you know, she's she's playing a little bit more now of her own material, but um, I've been gently coaxing her for years because she writes wonderful songs, and uh, I can go behind the drum kit or sure. or wherever. And and so uh, my hope is to really that that would be a personal hope of mine is to see Joanna kind of have a little featurette every week and uh, and paul and jill both like him i mean there's there's so much to all these people that um they don't always get a chance to put first you know uh, uh, uh jill and joanna play with everybody from big dave mclean to you name it so it's like um to to, to create an opportunity where they may want to bring a, a composition something they couldn't just pull out at a uh, any old gig and yeah and so i hope to make it really inclusive and um Beyond all those things, we've been working on guests. Um, and then uh, we had one, our last residency, uh, or second last, I don't remember, was very close to Christmas. So Glenn said either we should cancel or um, not cancel, we should not do that date, 
or we should do like a special Christmas show. So we've, um, yeah, we've got really incredible, so far just local guests, but I mean, amazing guests. Cool, cool. Um, so th there'll be that element. And yeah, at, at some point, Glenn talked about uh, string quartet for a couple of them. Oh. In addition to the group. And so, yeah, uh, we're going to pull out all the stops. My hope is to do something that's magical and memorable. And uh, I'd like to see this band become an institution unto itself because it's, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's the best of the best to me. Some of the, some of my favorite locals, you know. But yeah, you can't go wrong with that. If, if you have people that are your favorite artists, you know, and you're working with them, oh, it's yeah. hard, hard to screw that up. Yeah, yeah.
I like the idea of it being not just not necessarily just like you know every Wednesday you're playing a set thing and it's the same set every time like the, the amount of variety that you kind of seem open to is very cool and the fact that it's going to shift and change and and you're having guests and you're having uh, some of the performers stepping up you know at different times and things it, it's it's just cool it's uh, it's a neat idea well then the lineup you saw me was at the park uh you know were are often my go-to mm-hmm. uh, group group of musicians when i do shows and so um i suggested to glenn you know i'd like to ex- I'd like to expand that band with you and Jill. And so um, Glenn has had me recording, like going through my whole anthology of songs um, and recording them into my phone. Okay. And uh, I do, uh, on, sometimes on a busy day, I'll do three. Like just playing them, them solo? Over. Just, yeah, singing them solo into into my phone. And he has created uh, charts. And, and I mean, not just simple chord charts. Like, I mean, notated. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. For me, I look at it as it's just like art because I can't read it. Yeah, yeah. But it look it looks so beautiful. But what it does is it allows me to, uh, in the case of this show in particular, um, we can get to a point where we can take requests. We can, you know, we can go back to my first record. And uh, so, we're yeah, we're just, yeah really trying to you know it's these two different things really that are um, pretty great pretty special and I want to try to <laughs> I want to try to merge them yeah. when I started uh, in my early 20s uh, I played with a lot of big big bands like I had um, uh, Grant Siemens and, and Damon Mitchell and uh, Sky Onison so and myself on guitar three guitars Paul Yee on bass uh, sometimes Mark Arnold on a keyboard and piano Paul Balkan on sax Chris alone on violin, like cool. Joanne on drum. We had, and it was more than I knew what to do with. I was just having fun. Uh, they were my friends, and uh, I was learning to, to do what I do. I wasn't, you know, I and, uh, but now to get to kind of go back to that big group, I've always been drawn to these big, I like, I like a big crew. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, it'll be another neat part of it, I think. Does it, do you, I mean, I assume the answer is yes to this, but do you enjoy kind of recontextualizing those songs, especially songs that maybe, you know, have been written solely as a guitar and vocals or piano and vocals sort of thing, and then just kind of seeing what develops out of a bigger group like that, especially with some of these artists who, you know, have that kind of uh, technical or, 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 you know, formal training, right? I mean, that's got to give you a different look into some of the way these songs are are constructed that maybe you didn't think about when you wrote them. Well, much of it's recorded, so they not only have the music, but the recordings as templates. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm always interested in the um, uh, in the the shades and the colors of it. That, that's never the same. Yeah, and uh, and nor do I want people to be scholarly about it. You know, I want them to be prepared and, and not make wrong turns. But um, even when I produce records. Um, I trained myself, uh, like William Prince's first record. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had uh, um, uh, Patty Kustrock on, uh, I'm not saying that right, on violin, and uh, and Eric Lemoyne on pedal steel, and then much of the instrumentation beyond that I did myself. And But truthfully, when the record comes my way with uh, any kind of budget attached to it, it's always my preference to to build a great team yeah 
And, uh, you know, the, the years of learning to do that stuff serves me better now as a, as a tool of communication. And, but, uh, I, I've talked to different, um, colleagues about this and, um, many of them disagree. Um, they dwell over mistakes or struggles. They'd rather just go do it themselves. And I don't find that impatience with music. Like, yeah, I, I um, yeah. Learning to kind of be relaxed while doing it is kind of a critical part. And I found the years that I spent teaching myself to do that, go in and play all the stuff, um, you become very effective and efficient, but you're not having a conversation anymore, right. for one. Uh, and that was troublesome to me. Uh, the energy um, became uh, one-dimensional and... So you can, in some regards, you can kind of hone in on the concept of mastery, but it's it's not a conversation, or if it is, it's one you're having with yourself. Yeah, yeah. And the the type of music I enjoy, that's not good for it. Well, that's interesting because you, you mentioned know? the jazz players earlier, and that you you seem to feel a good a good kinship and a fit with them. And I mean, jazz is very much a conversational style of music. You know, between the between the musicians, and the, that kind of makes sense too with what you're saying. Uh, you know, yeah. just now about production and thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's letting something breathe, and and uh, like I saw a great interview with Dylan uh, not long ago, and he doesn't do a lot of those. Yeah, it's New York Times maybe, and and I mean he's he's nearing eighty, and and they asked him about all these different versions of his songs, and and the 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 journalist asked him how much of it's improvised and Dylan said nothing's improvised right once, once the song is written not improvised you know and uh, I, I thought that was a striking thought yeah it's, it's interesting yeah. I, I, I share that sentiment with him in that he's he's playing with the lights he's playing with the colors he's playing yeah. with his mood his phrasing uh, his energy ultimately is what it is uh, I remember seeing him here in Winnipeg and all the people my parents' age were in the lobby griping yeah, about yeah. how he doesn't sound like himself and he's this and he's that and I'm thinking, man, you're all just so lucky to have been in the same building as him. You, that's all you paid for. Yeah. And and what was interesting, I, I was completely blown away by the show. I didn't agree with anybody in the foyer. And um, what was interesting about it was um, what's, what's, what's changed is him. He's not this anxious, wound up, twenty-year-old guy anymore. So his breathing has deepened. Sure. And really, the songs haven't changed as much as those people think. It's that um, his delivery is calm and, and expert. He, he's he's become a master. Right. So um, it's the difference it'd be with any, seeing any great master young versus old you know like Leonard Cohen's another person that yeah definitely has struggled struggled career long with anxiety and depression of various things and it was like not until his farewell tour that he really he hit that place where he he got to enjoy it too yeah yeah that's the, that's the difference in those other instances we don't get to enjoy it that makes a lot of sense actually, until, yeah. until you're being yourself and 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 uh and there's uh, that's the only freedom in it is when you go oh i can walk up here and be me and that's the the gig and and so 
Uh, so yeah, the songs really are actually the same as they always were. Really, he's just right. playing them on piano now. He slowed them down. Might have changed the key. <laughs> yeah, but, the, the, but the, all the uh, all the elements are still there of what made it a good song yeah. in the first place, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the neat thing, and uh, and it's true. And in, in the case of any good song, you could do it any way you want. Yeah, yeah. How do people get uh, tickets to this, these shows? What's the play? I mean, is it just through the park or? Yeah, it is primarily. I don't know what agency they're using, but um, I know the information. Uh, the 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 most up to date will always be directly from the Park Theater, and I know they're selling subscriptions. Yeah, I saw that. It's kind of cool. Not not that they're mandatory, but um, uh, I know a, a, a few tables now have, have been bought. So they're. Um, uh, I want to say it's like however many shows. Uh, Ten shows for the price of seven. I don't know right, what. It, don't right. quote me on that, but it's it's something like that, and and um, it allows people to buy in grouping. So um, uh, people are buying tables of fours uh, for the subscription, and you know we're again we're just trying to try new things and uh, make it. A, we're trying to make it affordable. We don't yeah. want this to be like a. a uh, we want it to be very inclusive, and we you know we're. We're not lost to the fact that we're still very much in this pandemic, you know. So if we can, if we can lighten the the the, the mood and, and make it accessible and affordable and safe and distanced and comfortable, that's the goal, you know. We're not um, we're not trying to, you know, break records or any of that stuff. Yeah. It's um, uh, we've. I've been asked if it would be streamed. I, I don't know that we'll stream this, but uh, it's not off the table. You know, it's we're we're just learning as we go. Well, I think that 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 aspect of it, the the that you're being creative with it in the park, that Eric's being creative with the way that even the way the stage is set up, and like you said, you be in the middle of the floor and all of that. It's it's hopefully some of these ideas, not not just what you guys are doing, but just in general that are coming out of the pandemic, people finding new ways to approach being creative in general hopefully some of that will carry on and and yeah well sorry just, go ahead just go to ahead. be challenged just to be challenged you know yeah 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 we did this glenn and i did this at the west end uh, with the members of the manitoba chamber orchestra and we moved the big grand piano to the floor cool and uh, i was on one end andrina turin and joanna miller and margaret swetman were uh, guest vocalists and um, so the orchestra, including the piano, were all completely acoustic. Okay. And uh, in the PA was my voice, uh, my guests' voices, and my guitar. And uh, the audience sat around us. There were risers. Cool. There were uh, chairs on the stage. And um, the idea was, you know, when Glenn and I getting to know each other, it's like uh, the classical institution is, uh, as time marches on, like everything, are, are 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 looking to try to remain relevant in some manner. Sure, sure. And so when Glenn and I would talk about these things, and you know, the people that keep the orchestras working are older, and they don't want to hear new music. They want to hear old music performed by the orchestra. And how do we how do we develop these things? And Glenn uh, founded the new music with Bramwell Tovey and the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, and uh, that was one of their concepts. And Glenn and I are still trying to noodle with that idea in that, um, like I said to him, you know, w what's missing there is, is folk. Sure. You know, like, um, 
what about the music is relevant to our time here, you know? Like um, Nina Simone talks about how a, a true artist should reflect the time in which they lived and worked. And I, I, I agree with that statement. And so Glenn and I would kind of talk, and I, I remember mentioning Harry Belafonte at Carnegie Hall, and it's like, this is some spectacular uh, productions. And it, it, it's it's very kind of folk in its core, but the instrumentation, the singers, yeah. I mean, good, good grief. It's just, it's really, it's brilliant, brilliant stuff. And um, so these are all things we're kind of um, playing with. The West End show we did recently, uh, an artist friend of mine, an Israeli-Canadian folk singer named uh, Orit Shimoni. She's she's basically been in Winnipeg because of the pandemic, and people are slowly getting to know her. She's a wonderful songwriter and, and artist. And uh, she was at that show with the group that we're doing the residency with, and we hung out after. And she said to me, you know, I haven't said anything because I haven't thought of what to say yet. And then she went on to pay them most incredible compliment, which was, she said, I feel like the music um, I heard tonight didn't exist yet. You okay. Know? Well, that's I, good. That's I, I, don't, I don't recognize it. And, and it, it really, truly sounds new to me. And, and she particularly, her emphasis was on my compositions in the, in my selections in the show, but it wasn't necessarily uh, about Glenn's songs. It was, um, any any piece of music I did were our collaborations. So uh, when we do Glenn's songs, they were beautiful songs, but they were kind of his songs, and we had learned them for the show. And but she'd remarked that particularly the ones that were kind of my songs expanded by him. Yeah, uh, she said each one of them like I just I didn't recognize it from anything, and I thought, wow, that's you know. To start by saying you didn't know what to say, and then say the most incredible <laughs> thing was, uh, it's pretty lovely. Yeah, that is that is a really cool compliment, actually. Yeah. It's just the idea, the idea that it's something that hasn't been because this, you know, especially now that everyone has access to so much music at their fingertips, the idea of hearing something that that is completely new to you, it's rare. I mean, it's it's always kind of startling when you hear something that you can't quite place because you know we're just bombarded with with so much different stuff more than we ever have been. In, in history, really, it's true, and and I mean, to me, I, I the 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 interesting part and the goal has always been to I, I, I truly would like to create something that deserves to outlast me. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. would love that. I would love that, and and um, you know, Glenn and I are both big Neil Young fans. He he references uh, well, we both reference Neil Young quite a bit when we talk, uh, and and you know, like um, I've I've compared him to the painter Jackson Pollock and particularly his electric guitar playing. Yeah, it's yeah. just kind of this wild abandonment. But, um, you know, so Glenn and I are both songwriters. We have that in common. But to me, I always emphasize uh, and say to him, you know, I, I think we need to keep pushing this collaborative aspect uh, as much as we can because, you know, when we work in that manner, I have a belief that, you know, if we both know all the same things, one of us, isn't needed anymore and and um you know what's lovely in the case of this glenn will reference neil young and i'll say jack Nietzsche. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah what what he was able to do and help neil accomplish was was greater than in some respects what it was prior so 
I'm hoping that'll be another thing with the residency is like uh, we have yet to really kind of uh, for Glenn to just bring me a piece of music and me to write to it or vice versa you know um, we have yet to really go there quite yet and uh, if everything else uh, up until this point is an indication I, I think it'll be tremendous collaboration and, uh, and it comes back to Doc Palmas you know these guys that I love that that's how they work yeah, uh, lyricist, melody. You know, usually a piano player and and a writer. And here, Glenn and I have more, even more tools to come to the table with. So it's it's exciting, and uh, I hope the show will emphasize all these things. Cool. Know. Need me to leave right now and come and pick you up. I'm in Oklahoma, it's too hard to move. I tried you back and couldn't get through. He's the talk down in the rain, he's the gamble, he's the risk. Sometimes it's just easier when you got less to lose. It's gotta be something better than Everywhere I go, there's diamonds, diamonds. Watch where you step, there's copper heads too. Sometimes the answer is hiding. Ballad of a stranger, just passing through. Mistake, new romance and Sunday cake. Hotel lobby with revolving doors, and that lonesome feeling like I'd been there before. He's a river, he's a lake. It was never his heart to break. Standing in the rain, making laughter out of pain, wondering how the hell I'm gonna get out of here. And everywhere I go, there's diamonds, diamonds. Watch where you step, there's copper heads too. Sometimes the answer is hiding. Ballad of a stranger just passing through. Yeah. 